Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to the UBS Conversations podcast channel. Our conversation today will focus on the latest UBS Investor Sentiment Survey, and we will cover how investors feel about the U.S. economy, including inflation and the impacts being felt, the current market environment, and the prospects for volatility, some key focuses in the world of public policy, what's on the minds of business owners, and more. Uh, joining me here for the conversation, Glenn to welcome back Danny Sherl, Global Thought Leadership Analyst with the UBS Client Strategy Office, as well as Brian Rose, Senior Economist Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So Danny, Brian, it's great to be with you both, and thank you for spending some time with our listeners, our clients on the UBS Conversations podcast channel. Looking forward to our conversation. Now, before we dive deeper into the findings, uh, Danny, maybe a good starting point to set the stage. Can you provide us with some background on the goals of the survey and maybe speak to some of the key themes of the latest survey? Sure. Hi, Dan. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and talk all about the latest investor sentiment. So UBS Investor Sentiment is a quarterly survey of 4,200 high net worth investors and business owners from 15 different markets across the globe. Uh, the survey sets out to provide a snapshot of the needs, concerns, and goals of investors in the current market environment. Brian and I are going to be focusing on the U.S. survey today, as that's where most of our listeners are from. So this quarter, we surveyed 1,400 investors in the U.S. and found that optimism is down to 54%, which is the lowest of any region globally and a seven-point drop from last quarter. This is largely driven by concern over inflation, which is not surprising as investors in the U.S. are experiencing the highest levels of inflation here in almost 40 years. Nearly all of the Americans we surveyed are experiencing higher prices of goods in their daily lives, and 7 in 10 are experiencing shortages of goods, and they don't really expect this to end anytime soon. About 62% think that inflation is going to last longer than a year. And aside from inflation, the top concerns that we're seeing here are politics, which is often a top concern, and especially so during a midterm election year, national debt, tax increases, and cybersecurity. All of these factors have led to, as many of us are well aware, a lot of volatility in the markets recently. But there's good news. Despite worry over inflation and volatility, investors do want to stay in the market and put their cash to work. 39% in the U.S. are looking to add stocks amidst the current volatility. And then of those investors that are holding more than 10% in cash, 56% are worried about the impact of inflation on their cash, and 41% are just looking for the right opportunity. And those opportunities that they see right now are tech, healthcare, energy, and financials. And I know Brian will go into that a little bit more and into what opportunities we at UBS see in the market. And then lastly, U.S. investors are worried about interest rates here more so than um, our counterparts globally. We know that rates are going to go up. So ahead of interest rate increases, investors are looking to borrow money and lock in rates. So 4 in 10 are looking to refinance an existing mortgage, borrow against investments, or open up a new mortgage. So there's a lot to discuss, and I'm looking forward to diving a little deeper with you. Well, Danny, that was a very helpful backdrop. So thank you for setting the stage there and looking forward to getting a bit more granular as far as these takeaways, these survey findings. And as Danny mentioned, a few categories within we're going to break out a bit further. Of course, economic conditions, accounting for inflation. We'll talk about volatility and spend some time on public policy as well. So 
Now might be a good time, Brian Rose, to bring you into the conversation. Welcome. Uh, maybe we can dig a bit deeper into the economy, the U.S. economy. And Danny had pointed out a couple of key interesting takeaways as far as survey findings. So 60% consider inflation to be a top concern. I believe that might be up 3% from Q3. In addition, 62% believe inflation will last longer than 12 months. And furthermore, 48% of those surveyed are concerned about a market downturn, mindful that we're coming off a pretty volatile January of 2022. So, uh, Brian, what is your take on the U.S. inflation picture and outlook for inflation? And what are the prospects for a substantial market correction to occur in 2022? So the latest data on inflation shows continued acceleration. We had the 7.5% inflation rate in January. That's the highest since 1982. And looking at the month-on-month change, that was six-tenths of a percent. Uh, Half of that accounted for by rent, electricity, and food. So the real uh, essentials are driving some of the inflation and well, this is, of course, very noticeable for consumers. Every time you fill up your car with gas or, you know, go shopping for food, you see the, the higher prices and people really feel it. And, uh, you know, a lot of surveys, including, uh, you know, this one, show that uh, inflation is weighing on consumer sentiment. Now, we do expect inflation to peak out soon, within just a couple of months. But the real question is, how quickly will it decline? And where does it stop? So it's one thing for inflation to slow from you know, 7-8% down to 4 or 5 uh, That would be nice, but still way above the Fed's 2% inflation target. And uh, a lot of the inflation outlook will come down to solving the supply side bottlenecks, and that includes the labor shortages. So if you look at what small businesses are saying, uh, you know, we have the NFIB survey of small business showing record numbers uh, of these businesses raising wages and also a very high number raising prices, the highest since 1974. Uh, so you know, this is the story at the moment, is that you have uh, lots of lots of bottlenecks, labor shortages, wages are rising, and businesses are passing along those higher costs into prices. And, uh, you know, we, we the result is very high inflationary pressure. And now, you know, turning more towards what this means for, for markets, I think the case for Fed rate hikes is clear. The Fed is very clearly signaling that they're going to start raising rates at their next meeting in March. And again, the question is, how much do they have to hike? Uh, you know, how quickly will they hike? And of course, this depends uh, entirely on inflation. And my expectation is that as long as as long as inflation stays elevated as it is now, the Fed will continue to hike. And, but at some point, we'll see inflation slowing and then the Fed can uh, slow down. Now, in terms of the equity markets, of course, uh, they're going to tend to be nervous about the, the outlook uh, for the Fed. And you know, our, our thinking is that if the Fed raises rates a few times this year, uh, in 
doesn't uh, doesn't need to really step hard on the brakes, uh, you know the equity markets will do uh, okay. If you look historically, you know some some moderate to Fed rate hikes in an environment where the economy is growing strongly, this isn't a, a huge problem for uh, the the equity market. So you know we we have to keep a close watch on on the trends, but our outlook. For the economy and for equity markets is, is uh, generally uh, positive because, again, uh, we're, we're optimistic that inflation will uh, slow uh, soon enough to you know, allow the Fed to to take a ge- uh, fairly gentle approach towards normalizing their monetary stance. Thank you very much for that clarity from the perspective of the chief investment office on the market outlook, though we may see some bumps along the way. We have to be mindful of the prospects for spouts of volatility to emerge as we progress through the year. I even think back most recently to last Thursday morning when we did receive that CPI print for January consumer price index data. It did disrupt that upward momentum we did witness earlier in the week within equity markets. So mindful of the picture you've painted for us, Brian, how should investors think about positioning accordingly and maybe even putting some cash sitting on the sidelines to work? You're right. This, I thought, was interesting. The survey does show people looking for a chance to put cash to work. And this is the one thing that is almost always true, which is that the cash isn't a good investment. But especially under current circumstances where you have very high inflation and very low interest rates, it's really, really expensive to hold cash. And now, you know, as is typical, investors are always looking for, uh, you know, a, a better chance to get into the market. So, you know, oh, I'd like to wait for a correction, wait for stocks to go down, and then I'll buy. But the problem is that it, you know, tends to be really scary to buy stocks when the markets are going down. And so we see this so all the time where investors say, yeah, I'm holding cash, waiting for a better chance. And then when the chance comes, they're, they're too afraid. It seems too risky to, to actually follow through with it. And you know, generally speaking, when it comes to investing, our advice is to just get on with it. So you know, don't try to time the market. Uh, you know, think about uh, from a strategic perspective, you know, what, what you want your portfolio to, to look like and start implementing you know the, that uh, plan based on uh, you know, longer term considerations of what you want to do with your your portfolio rather than you know, trying to outguess the market day to day looking for the, you know the perfect timing to uh, to put the money to work now as i mentioned a minute ago you know we do have a generally favorable view of equities and you know, one thing that a lot of investors might consider is putting some money outside of the U.S., uh, you know, diversifying into, into global equity. So a lot of investors are overly concentrated in the U.S. Uh, in particular, we like the Eurozone at the moment. So we expect a very good growth uh, there this year. And you have to keep in mind that the U.S. is is ahead of most of the rest of the world in terms of the business cycle. So, you know, we have higher inflation, tighter labor markets. Uh, you know, the Fed is getting ready to to raise rates uh, relatively, you know, uh, quickly compared to most other countries. So, you know, this is one one thing to uh, to think about is to you know, 
diversifying into global equities. And uh, if not, within U.S. equities, but we still favor the areas of the market that will benefit from good growth. Uh, so uh, we like uh, mid-caps, and also we favor uh, value over growth. So uh, you know, in, a, in a rising interest rate environment, which is what we expect to, to have, you know, it, it, and, and good economic conditions, this, this favors uh, value stocks. And uh, also by sector, one, one area to think about is financials. So you know, they, they will tend to benefit. Uh, their profits will tend to go up as the Fed starts to to raise rates, you know, they they uh, uh, interest rates will go up, but uh, the deposit rates that the, the banks, uh, for example, offer will will not rise immediately. Uh, so, you know, this could help to reduce the interest rate sensitivity uh, of the portfolio. And uh, yeah, we think it's best to avoid the very interest rate sensitive parts of on the market, like. Uh, you know, utilities. And, uh, you know, in terms of fixed income, in the same way, you know, you have to think about how, how sensitive is your portfolio to, to interest rates. You don't want to take uh, excessive risks, risks that, you know, say the, the Fed ends up raising rates more than we expect. You know, you don't want uh, the portfolio to be too badly affected. So that suggests, you know, avoiding excessive duration, you know, put uh, more, at uh, you know relatively short uh, short tenors, and uh, we also like uh, senior loans, which have a flo- floating rate aspect to it. So you know, again, uh, from a portfolio perspective, uh, you know you you want to uh, be mindful of the risks around higher interest rates. Ryan, that was terrific guidance. So thank you for breaking out the allocation preferences at the Chief Investment Office. And it was a great point you brought up about the risks associated with staying on the sidelines and not putting that cash to work. You might think it's never a great time, but it is important to have a well-informed conversation with your financial advisor, taking into account the allocation preferences at the Chief Investment Office and determining a correct roadmap for allocation that fits the circumstances of the individual. So Brian, thank you very much for that. Uh, Danny, to bring you back into the conversation as we move through the survey, of course, we can't leave the political landscape out of the equation when discussing market volatility. So to that end, it is, of course, a midterm election year. Geopolitical tensions have also played into market volatility. Uh, So, Danny, what are some key priorities that investors would like the Biden administration to focus on? Yes, Dan. So it is a midterm election year, which tends to drive more volatility in the markets on average. And then recently, rising tensions between Russia and the Ukraine have created some additional uncertainty, which we see reflected in our investor sentiment survey. So managing the U.S.-China relationship and managing the U.S.-Russia relationship were two of the top five priorities that investors wanted the administration to focus on, with the U.S.-China relationship rising 11 points in concern from last quarter, which is a huge jump. We normally see swings of about two to three points either way. So something like 11 points is pretty pretty big. The top priority that investors hope the administration will focus on, unsurprisingly, is controlling inflation, which makes sense with all of the context that Brian and I have been discussing today. And this is followed by controlling the pandemic and also unifying the country. In terms of the midterm elections, investors are fairly split on their preferred outcome. 40% prefer Republican control of both the House and the Senate. 
33% prefer Democrat control and 27% prefer split control of the House and the Senate. We'll continue to monitor this throughout the course of the year. As I mentioned earlier, our investor sentiment report is quarterly. So the next one comes out in April and the one after that comes out just ahead of the elections in late October. So that one will have an even bigger political focus. And it'll be interesting to see how these views change leading up to the election. Definitely. Well, looking forward to those follow-up conversations, Danny. And before we close out our conversation today, I do want to spend a few moments touching on business owners. It was interesting and encouraging to read how 78% of the 500 U.S. business owners surveyed, 78% feel confident about their own business over the next 12 months. So, Danny, can you expand on the findings from this segment for us? Yes. So we see quarter after quarter, no matter how they feel about the broader economy or what's going on, entrepreneurs tend to be incredibly optimistic about their own business prospects, and they're pretty optimistic people by nature. Almost 80%, like you mentioned, are optimistic about their own business. In the U.S., many of their top concerns have to do with, again, unsurprisingly, inflationary pressures. So those are supply chain issues, material costs rising, and wage inflation. Other top concerns include business tax increases and increased regulations. However, entrepreneurs are nothing if not problem solvers. They're still looking to hire. In fact, the January jobs report came in higher than expected and really corroborated what we're seeing in our investor sentiment data, which is that business owners are still looking to hire and invest in their business despite the recent Omicron surge. Our survey also replicated some of the findings that Brian discussed earlier in order to adapt and respond to pressures from the Great Recession, inflation, the labor crunch, over 5 in 10 business owners are increasing flexibility in work location and hours, they're increasing base pay, and they're adding more employee benefits. So they're really pivoting in order to adapt to the current environment. In terms of succession planning, there's definitely a split on what they're planning to do. 42% are looking to sell or pass on their business in the next five years, which presents a great opportunity to open discussions over how they'd actually like to do so. 31% say they're going to do so, they're going to exit their business in five or more years, and 27% don't plan on exiting the business anytime soon. So definitely a mixed bag there. But overall, they're really positive people, and they're optimistic about the outlook for their businesses. Ending there on a bright spot. So, Danny, Brian, thank you very much for joining us here on UBS Conversations, for sharing with us some takeaways, observations from the most recent UBS Investor Sentiment. And, uh, Brian, thank you very much for sharing some insights when it comes to market outlook, asset allocation on behalf of the UBS Chief Investment Office. As mentioned, plenty here we can follow up on as the year progresses. So, looking forward to catching back up again with you both. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Dan. Again, today we've been joined by Danny Sherrill, Global Thought Leadership Analyst with the UBS Client Strategy Office, as well as Brian Rose, Senior Economist Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Now, in the way of housekeeping, I would like to point out UBS.com forward slash investor dash sentiment as where our listeners and clients can go in order to learn more about the latest UBS investor sentiment survey and the findings. Again, that's UBS.com forward slash investor dash sentiment. Of course, for clients of UBS, please reach out to your financial advisor if you would like to learn more as well. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us.
UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO dash disclaimer. The information in this discussion has been prepared by and reflects the opinions and various investment views of the speaker. UBS Financial Services, Inc. has not independently verified such information and does not guarantee its accuracy or completeness. This information is being provided to you for your information purposes only and does not constitute a recommendation or an endorsement by UBS Financial Services, Inc. of the author, the securities, or views stated herein. Any specific security Securities discussed should not be considered a recommendation or solicitation to buy or sell any particular security. You should not assume that any investment in any of the securities was or will be profitable. UBS Financial Services, Inc. or its affiliates and its employees are not affiliated with any third-party speakers mentioned. UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, different in material ways. We are governed by different laws and separate arrangements it is important that clients understand the ways in which we conduct business, that they carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to them about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review the PDF document at UBS.com forward slash relationship summary. UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG, member FINRA SIPC.